grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. season of Lent, as we continue to focus on the suffering and death of our Savior, and certainly focusing on the fact that our Savior died for us to pay for our sins. With that in mind, let us open and give all praise and glory to our Lord. God bless your worship. Our first lesson for this second Sunday in Lent is found recorded in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 26, beginning at the 8th verse. When Jeremiah had finished saying everything the Lord had commanded him to say to all the people, then the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, You must die. Why do you prophesy in the name of the Lord that this house will be like Shiloh and that this city will be desolate with no one living here? All the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard about these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat in the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city as you heard from with your own ears. Then Jeremiah said to all the officials and to all the people, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the things that you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring up about the disaster he has pronounced against you. But as for me, look, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever seems good and right in your eyes. But you can be certain of this. If you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on those who live here. For it is true that the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning at the 17th verse. Brothers, join together in imitating me and in paying attention to those who are walking according to the pattern we gave you. To be sure, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I told you about them often, and now I'm saying it while weeping. Their end is destruction, their God is their appetite, and their glory is in their shame. They were thinking only about earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. We are eagerly waiting for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, he will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. So that my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, in this way keep standing firm in the Lord, my dear friends. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, 
beginning at the 31st verse. In that very hour, some Pharisees came to him, Jesus, and said, Leave and go away from here, because Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go tell that fox, Look, I am going to drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the next day, because it cannot be that a prophet would be killed outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you, when you will say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, it was actually last Sunday, and we were blessed with a little three-year-old. And as I was coming up, to uh, get ready for the service, the little boy said to me, Pastor, where are you going? I said, well, going to go up and, and get ready for the service. Why? Well, you know, we're, we're going to have worship here very soon. Why? Well, you know, we're, we're worshiping and praising Jesus, and, and, and you know about Jesus, but why? And so one after the other, you would get those whys. And, and it was that, that why game. But see, what that little boy didn't know is, I'm going to be suing 59 years old, and you're not going to beat me in this why game. Because I know the secret to the why game. I know how to get out of it. And even though I didn't use it on him, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I'm ready to pull out of my back pocket if I need to. Why not? And as soon as he answers that, then I can start to say, but why? But why? But why? I find it fascinating that when the Pharisees came to Jesus, as he made his way to Jerusalem, that they, they asked him to leave this area. And Jesus didn't play any games with them at all. And certainly didn't play the why game. But why? But instead, he was very direct and stern with them with his answer. Because what was important is that Jesus would end up in Jerusalem. Now we heard last week how Satan attacked Jesus and even using scripture out of context, content, context against Jesus. And yet, at the end of those attacks by Satan, we are told in scripture that Satan left for another opportune time. But if Satan can't come in through the front door, he'll certainly come in through the back door or from one of the side doors. He doesn't quit with his attacks. He doesn't attack by being one and done. And now we see Satan certainly working as Jesus is being tempted concerning his trip. And he's been going throughout the region of Perea, just east of the Jordan, by the way. And just a little south of Galilee. He's been going from towns and villages with his disciples preaching and teaching, but always with the goal of going to Jerusalem. 
This Perea, this east of the Jordan, was the normal route that Jews would take because if you went straight south from Galilee, you would have to go through Samaria, and the Jews avoided Samaria. So as Jesus was making his way, know this. This was the territory that King Herod had. He controlled Galilee and this Perea. Now this is not the same King Herod that was involved with the Magi and also sent in soldiers to kill all the boys two years and younger in the area of Bethlehem. No, that was the father. This King Herod is King Herod Antipas. This is the son of that King Herod. This is the Herod that's going to be there and eventually become friends with Pilate. And we'll finally have an opportunity to meet Jesus. Remember in Jerusalem when Jesus finally arrived, Herod was the one who was eager to see him because he wanted to see Jesus perform some miracles. He had Jesus beaten and then sent back to Pilate. But did Herod really want Jesus put to death? I'm not sure. But the Pharisees were saying that. The Pharisees said, leave this, because Herod is planning to kill you, or wants to kill you. Now, some would say that what the Pharisees are doing here is quite noble. They're concerned about his life and welfare, and, and really he needs to get out of this area where he can be safe. But knowing that the Pharisees were plotting and planning against Jesus, even joining along with the Sadducees, but also along with the Herodians, who were very favorable to King Herod. One way or another, they were all planning against Jesus. More than likely, it, these words were spoken to get Jesus to move along a little quicker, to see him be at Jerusalem, especially before the festival of the unleavened bread, which included the Passover, to have him there before the large crowds would gather so that they could arrest him and end him. But Jesus was not going to follow this advice. Go tell that fox. And just like in the English language, the Greeks used that word fox in the same way. You cunning and deceptive man. Go tell that fox. Look, I am going to drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. These words are clearly used in a figurative and beautiful sense. And yet, notice how specific they are. He's going to heal. He's going to continue to preach and teach. He's going to continue to drive out demons. That's all part of his ministry because it's all part of the plan the plan from our Heavenly Father to go in and continue to preach and teach. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. It means that this plan will be victorious. Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die. That's all part of the plan. The plan is also that he will rise from the dead, conquering death, and offering that promise that because he lives, we too shall live. So this is a plan of victory for each and every one of us because Jesus was
wasn't going to Jerusalem to just simply die. Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. I can't say that enough. Jesus didn't go to the cross just to die. Jesus went to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. He paid the debt that we owe because of sin. He suffered the punishment that we deserve because of sin, our sins. He was without sin. He was perfect and holy. But he took on the sins of the world. And so when Jesus cried out, it is finished, it was finished. The victory is won. There is no doubt. Heaven is our home. And the proof? His resurrection. So we don't have to live guessing and wondering or hope, hoping in the sense of wishful thinking, am I saved? We are saved because Jesus died to pay for the sins of the world and rose again. And he did this purely out of love. Truly out of undeserved love. The very undeserved love that we hear Jesus speak of when he now prays for Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. These are not words spoken because he's stuttering. These are words spoken that are completely heartfelt. He cared so much like a hen who gathers in her flocks to keep them safe and to keep them near and dear to her heart and breast. And that's how Jesus felt about Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was not even worthy of that love, for Jerusalem was killing the prophets and stoning those who sent her. We just heard from Jeremiah how they were plotting and planning against him. He was called by God to warn the people and to call them to change their ways, to call them to repent of their sins, trusting in the forgiveness that can only come from their God. And instead of repenting, they would attack these prophets. They would try to silence these prophets. And the best way to silence them is to kill them. Even though the Lord told Jeremiah that he would not die in such a way, he was tortured. Even his hometown, family and friends were out to end him. He would be thrown into pits. He would be locked to doors, probably for several days. Terribly tortured as they tried to get him to stop preaching against the city. But Jeremiah was simply preaching God's word which included not only the gospel, but also the law. Yes, Jerusalem was not willing and did not repent. And during the time of Jeremiah, he will be the prophet who will see Nebuchadnezzar come in with the Babylonians in 586 B.C. and conquer and destroy the city and the temple. says you are not willing look your house is left to you desolate did you know that in about 40 years from these words or really less than 40 years the Romans will be attacking Jerusalem and destroying the temple King Herod had built it as one of the great wonders of the world 
and it will be destroyed. Not one rock left upon another. The only thing left of the temple, even to this day, is only the foundation wall, which is called the Wailing Wall. Your house is left to you desolate. It is empty. You can certainly understand these words in a physical sense, but above all, in a spiritual sense. Without the Lord, you are empty. Without the Lord, you have nothing. Without the Lord, there is no hope. Without the Lord God, your house is left desolate too. You will not see me again until the time comes when you will say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is interesting that in a couple months when Jesus rides, rides into Jerusalem on that baby donkey on that Palm Sunday with all the believers laying down cloaks and palm branches, they're going to be yelling out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And it is also interesting that on that day, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he will say these very words, almost exactly the same, again then. But ultimately, these words will be spoken when he comes again on the last day in his heavenly glory with the holy angels. Then the believers will be crying out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But even those who have rejected him in unbelief are going to have to admit that Jesus is Lord. But the very Savior that they have rejected in this life is the very judge who will judge them. They will face God's condemnation. And they will face the punishment of eternal hell. Being separated from God forever. This is why, my dear friends, there is, there is no sense, there is no logic, there is no reasonable understanding to reject the holy word of God and at the heart of that holy word, the message of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ, who once again, I can't say it enough, he paid for the sins of the world. It is sinful to think that this is my body and I can do with it whatever I want. It is sinful to think that this is my life and I can do with it whatever I want. It is sinful to think that this is my religion and I can make it whatever I want. There is no logic, no understanding, no reason concerning not taking God at his word and the glorious message that can only be found in God's word, that glorious message that can, easily be, um, that can easily be summed up with the word Jerusalem. Jerusalem means city of peace. Salem is the last part of that. Did you know that the, 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 the three letters in Salem, the three main letters, is the same letters in the word shalom? Salem is simply an old Hebrew word that means peace. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding. This is the peace that was spoken of by the angels at Jesus' birth. This is the same peace that Jesus will speak at his resurrection. This is the peace 
between God and man. And what is at the heart of this peace is what is at the heart of the cross of Jesus Christ who paid for the sins of the world. It is forgiveness of sins. And because of forgiveness that is ours through faith in Christ, that gift of God, we are at peace. This is what our souls yearn for. This is what every precious soul in this world so desperately needs. And this is a peace that none of us can live without. The peace of forgiveness in what God has done for us. And when Jesus paid for our sins, he did it for us all. Therefore, my dear friends, as we continue in this Lenten season focusing on the suffering and death of our Savior, understand what's all involved. We gather together because of peace. And thank you, Lord God, for that peace. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.